What's the vibe, y'all? Welcome to another episode of Running Off the Screen. I'm the man they call Mac, and I am joined by the host of the Live by the Three podcast, Curly. And in this episode, we're going to discuss how we feel about the Raptors' moves this offseason. If we feel we would want to trade Scotty Barnes for uh, Kevin Durant in a deal, Uh, if the Hawks and T-Wolves overpaid, for DeJounte and Gobert, respectively, and which teams made the best or worst moves uh, and signings this offseason so far. So with that, we'll start with the first topic. Curly, how do you feel about the Raptors' free agency moves? You know, this is a a very typical Raptors offseason. You know, familiarity, continuity, however way you want to describe it. I know you and I have had discussions and I've had discussions in various group chats about what players would be very impactful. You know, we just, I mean, you've discussed Malik Monk. I've agreed with that. Even Kobe wide Bogdanovich from the Hawks, you know, the, the amount of names and and ideas are endless. And I mean, every player that we've brought up has, has a specific skill set that could be beneficial to the team. However, the Raptors have a type. <laughs> you know, they they stick with conventional wisdom. They don't really think outside of the box. And again, you can see the idea of continuity seems to be the far more important thing, followed by cap flexibility. So with Boucher coming back at his, at his deal at three years, 35.25 uh, mil, it was earned. I have a lot of friends that feel differently that, you know, what he averaged, which was, which I believe was 9.6 rebounds. And he had a disastrous couple months of the season where the rotation was in and out. His, you can tell that his rhythm and who he wanted to be or what the Raptors wanted to be was not connecting. And to see him bounce back the way he did, and, and I mean, his journey hasn't been easy. And I'm not I'm not one for the pity party, but similar to a Fred Van Vliet mold, he earned it every step of the way. And I think for what he brings um, and what he can do for for the Raptors, you know, being that spark plug off the bench, um, you know, grabbing boards, doing the one two highlight defensive plays. Do uh, I like Kevin Garnett swatting the ball out of bounds? You know, uh, a put back dunk. You can't put a price for somebody that works hard. And I think that Chris Boucher, along with a couple other guys, really embody that that uh, what's was that blue collar type worker coming off the bench. And so I thought that with Boucher. It was a very great contract. And now he kind of groups himself in the category of also having a very tradable contract Mm. where you can quite possibly, if things don't work out down the line or, you know, players get disgruntled of the role, you can quite possibly move him off of what he can do and how much he, how much he's worth. And one interesting thing, and this is how you know that Chris Boucher has elevated his game is that, you know, we, we just discussed off camera that there were other teams interested. And we, we had an idea that his play was going to lead into possible teams um, being interested in Boucher. But these are teams that have championship aspirations. We had the Bucks, the Celtics, the Bulls, and the Nets all interested in Chris Boucher's services. So what does that tell you? He is coveted. People are, are noticing what he's bringing to the table. But once I dug a little further, he enjoyed being in Toronto. He enjoyed his role here, thus bringing him back at a very fair margin. That's a good point. And our front off, like our front office pretty much alluded to re-signing Boucher and Thad all along. Like, so it didn't really surprise me. And I feel they came back on respectable contracts, like you mentioned. 
and it's going to provide some good continuity and stability to our backup forward spots. Now, when with us bringing in Otto Porter Jr., the third pick in that Anthony Bennett 2013 draft, <laughs> um, <laughs> that move kind of caught me off a bit because I felt our forward depth was kind of solidified and our biggest need was a scoring guard. But when I really thought about it and for what Porter Jr. brings to the court, you know, that savvy presence, uh, solid rebounder, uh, he has that championship experience, fresh off a championship, yep. and he fits that six, eight, seven foot wingspan um, frame that we've been collecting the last couple of seasons. So I understand the vision. But one thing um, <clears throat> we did need uh, to not overlook the scoring guard needs, we did need a forward who could shoot the ball. Yeah, and he is a he is a solidified spot up shooter, and he brings the size as well. Now in his career. He's shooting 40% from the field on three attempts. Um, this past season, he was assisted on 95% of his made three-point shots. And he was assisted on 88% of his made mid-range shots. So we are technically adding him to the mix to try and fill that catch-and-shoot role that we attempted to carve out for Yuda and Shvi. <laughs> but I think with those numbers, it, it, it kind of started to... The, the stars aligned a little bit better with my thought process onto why they wouldn't want to get a player like Otto Porter Jr. Um, so how do you feel about that move? I, I think it was a very underrated move. I was very concerned as to what the market was going to be like at the guard and forward spot. I mean, we saw people getting scooped up like ice cream. You know, <laughs> um, Malik Monk was off the board quick. Bruce Brown, which I thought... He went very late. I thought the Raptors could have really benefited from him. A 6'4", 6'5", guard. I know a lot of people don't, they're not very fond of his game, but I think you saw his game evolve when players were out on the Brooklyn Nets. And I think that he would have been a, a huge benefit to the way that our team was constructed, kind of. You know, you're not you're not gonna be expected to score as a third option, but at a, as a fourth, fifth, or sixth option, depending on your uh, on your on the depth chart where you fall under. I thought that they could have benefited from somebody that can play beyond his size, that can knock the uh, knock down the outside shot, can be a finisher in and around the rim. You know, kind of like a, a poor man's version of a three-level score in a sense you know what i mean yeah. he doesn't have a great bag but you know I, I was i was like my goodness are we gonna have a repeat of an aaron baines alex len again that we're gonna have to settle <laughs> yeah. so so i think what was great about the auto porter jr deal is that I mean, what other team enjoys player options other than the Raptors? So you got <laughs> six million, <laughs> six million guaranteed for the first season. And you you have the player option at, at 6.4, which doesn't really hurt. Not to mention that they still have almost half their mid-level exception to possibly use for an additional roster spot or bring in another player. But what I thought was very interesting is that Golden State, and I know they're against the salary cap and way over the luxury tax, but I found it very interesting that they were just going to give him a, a vet, the veteran's minimum. Yeah. And I thought that was, I wouldn't say it was disrespectful. They were obviously trying to stretch the dollar. And I and I obviously they committed to Kavon Looney and um, letting Gary Pay Gary Payton Jr. walk along with Damian Lee, but Damian Lee didn't have a big role. But Otto Porter and Gary Payton Jr. both had very big roles. But I thought for what he was bringing to the table, that championship experience, uh, when healthy, he's he's a perimeter threat. He's a great rebounder. He's he averaged just under six rebounds a game, man. You know, sometimes that just adds to the great offensive rebounding that we already have. Plus, you know, he fits the vision, that type that we have and that perimeter scoring that we definitely missed last season. So I thought that that was a, a very great signing. Not it would not have been my first or second choice, but uh, I didn't even have him in my top three. But he was kind of like the forgotten man, I yeah. think. And I think the only play, the only team that really knew about him was Golden State and the Raptors, hence why we were able to pull him away. But I found out something very interesting that apparently his his woman, I, I don't know what the nature of the relationship, apparently she's from Toronto. Yeah, I heard that too, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So maybe that has a, a part to play in all of this. Bring her home, um, yeah. yeah, bring her back home. But I think for what he brings, you know, he he averaged just over eight points on forty six percent shooting and almost uh, around a forty percent. I think no, thirty seven percent on three, with, along with just under six rebounds. He can kind of be grouped in into that energy spark plug type of role to, to coincide with Precious and, and Chris Boucher. I think the only concern would be health. And let's hope that yeah. his injury plague days are behind him. He was relatively healthy in Golden State. He, he was over 60 games this season. And I think that if we can get that from him, I think it, uh, it'll be probably one of the most underrated signings uh, this this past season, especially when there is room for upside in his case. Well, well we have Alex McKegney, so hopefully we put him to work. And, yeah, well, yeah, for sure, for sure. You pay the big bucks. Yeah, <laughs> and with that, with the rebounding with Otto Porter, um, that that's five point four five, a little bit under six rebounds. If you yeah. put that up to per thirty six minutes, it's nine point three rebounds a game. So if he's getting starter minutes, he's giving you almost a double double. With, with the opportunity so yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and and to to piggyback on, on a point that we, we we kind of we kind of grouped in there but Thaddeus Young you know uh, um I was very divided on on his deal but I saw very well two important things that's the reason why I'm glad the Raptors signed him when he's on the floor 3.4 fewer points are scored when Thaddeus Young is on the uh, is on the floor per possession, mm-hmm. and I think that's absolutely huge. And you know, having somebody like him and Porter Jr. working off each other, especially with uh, Thaddeus Young's playmaking ability, you know, those assisted mid range and three point shots are going to fall right into Otto Porter's wheelhouse. And not to mention that he dropped Joel Embiid <laughs> and went up having the, one of the better games for himself in the playoffs. That was amazing. <laughs> No, that, that makes me wonder, though, with the Porter Jr., Thad's back, um, what does that mean for, like, Justin Champagne? Maybe I'm jumping the gun. Maybe I think we're trying to – I want to throw him into the fire a little bit too quickly. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I kind of was excited to see him come into a second year and get a solidified role. Uh, but maybe they're putting him as a backup, too. I don't know. But he doesn't play the two, you know? So it's like – Yeah. I, I don't know what that says for his, his – uh, I don't even think, do we even resign him as yet? Not as yet. I, I think they're kind of using their wait and see approach, their Zen like patience that they, they tend to show more often than not, more often than I would like, I should say. Um, But no, I'm with you. I think, I think Champagne would kind of be grouped into those energy guys. I mean, you saw it. I think that one game where he had like 11 rebounds or something, yeah. something to that effect. Like, you know, he, he's a worker you know and he's athletic and i mean from his college days he can score the basketball so i i really hope i was hoping that he could kind of fill that auto porter jr role exactly uh, um but uh, maybe they're they're preserving him maybe they're waiting for maybe they're still developing um but i definitely hope he he, he cracks the rotation well if he doesn't crack the rotation at least be an available body cuz i think his upside you know, is, is on par with Ron Harper Jr. You know, mm-hmm. what, what their ability is and what they could possibly bring to a team. Um, but I'm with you. I, I really hope Champagne can. I'm, I mean, Champagne's younger than Ron Harper Jr. And that too. <laughs> he's going to second too, year. Right? So, yeah. And uh, I think what would open up opportunities for Champagne is a trade. And mm-hmm. with that said, there's been... A lot of a lot going on on Twitter with the Raptors talking about trading for uh, Kevin Durant and a name that's been dangling out there where it's causing a little bit of a civil war is Scotty Barnes. Now, would you? I had no idea. I had no idea this was going on. This is this is the first time I'm hearing of it. But like, would you would you include Scotty Barnes in a trade for Kevin Durant? And like, why? Why or why not? Um, respectfully, heck no, I would not include Scotty Barnes in, in a deal. And you know, I, I I will say this until 
uh, I lose I lose my breath. Uh, you put me on Scotty Barnes. You know, you I had you know Kaminga Mobley as my uh, and even Suggs to 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 be used at, at, at that four spot or the fourth pick overall. And you know, you you put me on Scotty Barnes. So you know, I tip my hat off to you. I, I kind of the way that he was being portrayed is that he was a project, like, you know, offense, offensively limited. And, you know, we, we know the story that came along with Scotty Barnes, the D plus from ESPN. Right. So that pretty much says, says it all. Um, but Scotty Barnes has, he did so much without a jump shot. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I think that's a very scary thought that this kid was average was able to put up almost 16 points per game be a great playmaker uh, or be a great rebounder great defender um ha- could improve his playmaking but still showed flashes without a jump shot with a limited bag i think that's absolutely insane and you know we've discussed that he is uh giving off superstar vibes and I feel that giving up on that right now, after nobody had him going in the top five or even maybe late in the top 10, to really give up on that right now uh, for Kevin Durant. And like, don't get me wrong, it is Kevin Durant at the end of the day. When healthy, arguably the better on the planet. Three level score, can defend, like, it's it's KD man. Like, yeah. <laughs> what, like what more? What more do you need to say? But I think, I think what's interesting, and I've had this discussion with your with your peeps over at, at at Raptors Republic one in particular, and we discussed this is that the Raptors tread a very fine line of contending and developing. Sometimes it doesn't really work. Sometimes it does, and you see it from a game to game basis. I feel that by trading Scotty Barnes, you're committing to contention only. And that when it's said and done, you're going to build back. The, you're going to build at that point in time. But if you hold on to him and you still manage to get KD, you are now creating a position of a perfect successor for Kevin Durant when he's when he's done because Pascal is going to draw double teams KD obviously he's going to draw double teams and Freddie has been has shown that has the ability to draw double teams so where does that leave Scotty Barnes wide open (laughs) opportunities so I think it would be hugely beneficial to keep Scotty Barnes out I mean we are basing this off of hypotheticals and we're basing it off a very small sample size. But I think that Scotty Barnes has shown enough. And I'm going to use this one example, especially how much he was missed for the remainder of the playoffs against the mm-hmm. Philadelphia 76ers. Losing him would hurt us more almost immediately and down the line. So I'm keeping him out of the deal. <clears throat> yeah, and I agree with you. Like, and what people need to realize this Scotty for Durant thing, it, it doesn't mean Scotty for Durant. It means Scotty plus other core pieces for Durant. Absolutely. And, unless you unless you put in a third team into the mix. But let's say there's no third team. You would essentially need to trade Scotty, Gary, and OG for Durant, or Scotty and Pascal for Durant, just to make the salaries match. Right. Now, and that's not to mention the throwing in a couple picks and it just doesn't seem worth it. Now, do you feel that besides looking at the broken situation, like uh, with the Kyrie and KD as like maybe a char- character flaw or like a locker room liability type of thing? Because as, as soon as things don't go their way, they're ready to jump ship and shake up the league and ruin kind of ruin your front office leverage with these public uh, trade requests and <clears throat> now even if we were to like let's say we don't end up with him and let's say he ends up with phoenix mm-hmm. i could see a scenario where the raptors are in these discussions right now trying to be the third team involved 
you know, I think they would love to acquire someone like a Cam Johnson or maybe even an Aiton in some type of three-team deal. Um, and to me, that that seems like a direction that the Raptors would like to go in in this particular situation. And you know, we know Raptors don't really do most of their damage through free agency. It's it's historic. So yeah. I think th- the reason they're in these talks is maybe not necessarily for KD, especially if the Nets are asking for Scotty. I think they're probably just looking to see if they can poach something off of the Suns as well. But how do you feel about that? I think anything is possible. I mean, that scenario like that uh, that you just described, I think that's that's it's possible. It's believable. Um, it's not out of the Raptors' realm to kind of maximize every deal that that a player coming from our organization or their organization, referring to the Raptors, um, and just trying to capitalize on whatever asset. Uh, I, I think that. I think by, I mean, obviously, Scotty Barnes is coveted now. I don't think the they were very high on him before. And I think that Masai is definitely going to use that to his, his advantage by, okay, well, you know, we can, we're not going to give you Scotty, but maybe the, I, ha, I have somebody else similar to Scotty. Or similar to this, uh, that has a high ceiling, you know, kind of give them that kind of sales pitch. And I mean, like we've seen historically what Masai has done, and he is the king of fleece. So, <laughs> so I imagine that in whatever player that is leaving from the Raptors in order to get Kevin Durant, he's going to try and maximize it. And I know I'm repeating myself, but I really don't see them just walking away with just Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. I see them kind of twisting the arm a little bit. And we've seen the Nets kind of cave. And I mean, look at look at what they or sorry. We've seen the Nets kind of twist the arm and try to get a deal to work in their favor. But I feel that this situation is a little bit different because they basically allowed Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to run the show. And now ownership and everybody else is saying, OK, well, now we're going to do our job. Right. And we all know that this is a player. Uh, a player's league, right? But my, my point, I say all that to say that I feel that Masai and Bobby are going to take advantage of the situation, that the Nets are in a very weak position. They're not in a position of power. Yes, you have Kyrie. Yes, you have Kevin Durant. But you also have no recourse if you trade those guys, right? Look at the deals that are going around, uh, being floated around for Miami. Kyle Lowry, Tyler Hero, and Duncan Robinson as a, as a focal point. Like, you mean to tell me that uh, that's a better deal than possibly Pascal and, you know, Gary Trent Jr., for example, or OG and Gary Trent, uh, Gary Trent Jr. Um, as a starting point? Like, I see I see the Raptors maybe even trying to pry away a Seth Curry, you know, that combo guard that uh, that has been eluding us this whole offseason at this point. Um the Raptors are going to take advantage in, in, in whatever deal that they can. But I feel that keeping Scotty Barnes out of the deal is a priority and also keeping Pascal out of the mm. deal is a huge priority. It, I think, I don't think a move for KD would work without Pascal because he's going to need a running mate. He's going to need that number two guy to rely on. Who's going to be able to produce next to him? Who's going to be able to take advantage of, of the double teams going Kevin Durant away, and I know we're speaking hypothetically, but I don't see any deal working without without Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes still being in a Raptors uniform. I, I think I read a a tweet. I don't know how credible the source was, but uh, they said how if he does come to Toronto, he wants to be able to play alongside Fred Van Vliet, Pascal, and Scotty Barnes. So. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I mean, and I've seen online again. Don't know how credible all, all, all of these. I mean, every everybody is a, is a Kevin Durant specialist online right now. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, he, you know, we'll look at the Heat and the Suns as preferred destinations, and and preferred is yeah, I would like to go there, but the Nets don't have to trade him there. I mean, he wants to play alongside Booker, but the Nets want Booker allegedly. 
And then you look at Miami. He wants to play along Lowry, Bam, and Jimmy. But Nets want Bam. And I think contractually, they can't get Bam because he's on a max rookie extension. And same with yeah, Simmons. And Simmons. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so then are you trading Durant for Jimmy Butler? Like, that doesn't make sense. Are you trading Durant on a deal based around Kyle Lowry and Tyler Hero? So that doesn't make sense, which kind of you know, reinforces this idea that, you know, the Raptors are lurking and in the background and quite possibly could swoop him, swoop in and get him. I think the only other team that can really rival is the Warriors. And yeah. we know, we know how his feelings are about the Warriors. It, I saw one report where he said that the Warriors are not part of his preferred destination. And then I saw another report where he may be open to the idea and i mean we don't we don't know what kevin durant is thinking even though we've had many examples of knowing what he is thinking online <laughs> but um i think i think it really comes down to it if you if you're looking at the market and what teams are able to offer i think we are up there as probably number one as having the most assets and the most valuable commodities to get in for the services of KD. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the Warriors would have a good um deal to put together for him. Absolutely. But I don't know what that would do to his legacy. To say that he left the organization, they won without him and then he hurried his way back after they won. Uh, I don't know if he cares about his legacy like that. Oh, he cares. So yeah, so I think, yeah, yeah, I, th- I, I think he cares. <laughs> so I don't, th- I don't know if that would be his the route he would want to go because it would look pretty bad if that's how he's going to be jumping around team to team. Um, do you feel that KD has anything to prove? Um, I mean, I know we're kind of kind of kind of straying away from topic. No, but. no, but like I, I feel. I feel he he does he does have something something to prove. He hasn't like he he won with Golden State, but let's be honest, that team was winning without him. So I think yeah. he, in a way, he needs to be, even though he won the Finals MVPs there, but he kind of needs to be the lead guy again somewhere and bring a team or organization to the finals. Now he did it with um, OKC when they were still young. He's mm-hmm. been there with again with the Warriors when they won, but I feel. Just to stamp himself as as a as a winner, he needs to do it with one more organization, because the way he's been jumping around, it just looks like he's cherry picking at this point, and it's it's not a good look for your legacy. I think that's a fair argument. Um, I kind of feel a little bit differently in, in in that regard. I mean, I mean, you're Kevin Durant. You got two rings. You got finals MVPs. What what else do you have to prove? I mean, I, who cares about the route that he that he's taken? I know he cares, and I think the tipping point was the Warriors winning this year. I think, uh, I think one of the the ESPN guys alluded to this idea, and I and I agree. I feel that the Warriors winning, him leaving. Um, even though it's been a few years since he's been a Golden State Warrior, since he's been in Brooklyn. And I mean, even when he left, you can make the argument that the Warriors weren't the same without him because they weren't invited to the bubble. They ended up going into the play-in and ended up getting eliminated. And they probably would have gotten eliminated um, in the first round at that time. And just to see them bounce back the way that they did and win the championship this year is only a testament to what the Warriors already are and will be in terms of legacy. But I'm looking at Kevin Durant. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't see the Warriors beating the Cavs the way that they did without KD. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe the Cavs get another championship. Maybe they go back to back who, like who knows, right? It's all, it's all debatable at this point, but I think, I think KD has has done enough has done enough to, you know, keep him relevant in in the NBA history as one of the best scorers on one of the best teams that we have ever seen. Um, 
But I do agree with the idea that by jumping around from team to team and only going to teams that are contenders definitely leaves a blemish on everything that I'm seeing right now. So uh, maybe the move to the Warriors should be the last resort, but he only has so much to say in, in terms of this move. I think the Nets are going to do what's best for the organization. And I saw an article where Joe Sai basically said that if we don't have superstars, I will take a team that works hard any day. So mm. it see, it seems like they're prepared for the idea. And they were prepared for, for losing both Kyrie and, and KD anyway. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think that that would be a little blemish. But it's a different time. And I know we got the old heads and, and then the newer generation kind of going at it. And I mean, I mean, infamously, Charles Barkley and KD are going at it. But uh, in terms of who, who's being the bus driver and who's riding the bus, but I think I think that it's a different time. I think relationships mean a lot more nowadays. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with it, but if you if everyone if everyone can respect, and I mean I'm not taking anything away from LeBron, <laughs> but LeBron arguably being the second best player to ever play the game, did his thing in Miami, promised ten championships, got two. Went to went back to the Cavs, brought a championship with Kyrie and and uh, Kevin Love, and then ended up going to the Lakers and wanted to get AD there. So, if we can appreciate LeBron's journey on one side, while his is a little different, and he, you know, he, he elevates his teams, he makes them better to an extent, and wills them to a championship single handedly. Durant hasn't shown that yet and i feel that that's where everyone's going to make the argument that lebron will always be i always have one up on kd and to your point if he's not able to do that it'll always be that way you know what i mean yeah that's what puts lebron's legacy more th- among other things but that's one thing that puts his legacy ahead of kd is that i think kd's championship like championships in in uh, Golden State matches the 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 impact that LeBron had in Miami. Now what yeah. LeBron did, like you just mentioned, he went out after that, won a championship with Cleveland, then he won a championship with the Lakers. So I think yeah. those are maybe Katie doesn't need to win two more, but he needs to get that secondary moment to show that I'm the guy. And yeah. Until he gets that, I don't know. He's just going to be criticized. But to me, I, I love Katie as a player. I don't really care about how much money he makes. I don't care what team he goes on. But I just think as far as media and how the, the, the NBA's history goes on, it's, it's I could see why people have a problem with the way he's doing things. Yeah, I, th- I, think, the, I think the media kind of embellishes it. Yeah. You know, for for talking points and for ratings and whatever. I mean, we saw what they did with Kyrie for the longest time, um, and they 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 aren't relevant if they don't mention the Lakers or LeBron for that matter. Um, I feel that with KD, it's always it's always worse somehow. And you know, he he balls out. I mean, other than his Twitter fingers, KD brings it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and he's willing to play hurt in order for the for the better of the team or to give yeah. the team the best chance. So I feel like it's it's always like a balancing act with him. Like, you know, there's some good and there's some bad. And I feel that he'll always remain balanced. It's not going to teeter in one way or another. But I feel that with media, it kind of gets embellishes. And then, you know, the bad stuff kind of weigh a little bit more than the good. Um, it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be interesting. Interesting for KD. I, I like him as a player. Don't really care about anything else that he does on the court. Uh, he's a player that brings it. And I think that part of his game should be appreciated. Uh, everything else, I feel it's it's filler or, 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 or justifying hatred for KD. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I think that because he made that move, I, I personally don't see anything wrong with him going to Golden State at that time. I really don't. I mean, if we had, if any one of us had a better opportunity to uh, get us closer to a goal, we would take that opportunity. And and Steph recognized that, and he's like, "Hey, shoot, you know what? 
I'm going to take a step back, similar to what D-Wade did when LeBron came in. He's like, I'm going to let you do your thing. And championships. Exactly. That's, that's what you're playing for. I mean, some players play for, for money. Some people have different motivations. And I will never question anyone's motivations or money. But ultimately, you would think that the goal is to win a championship. And I think KD has accomplished that. Yeah. And sorry, I keep looking at my phone. I'm, I keep checking to see if he has been traded. <laughs> and I'm I wondering. Keep, I, keep, I kind of try not to glance. I'm kind of my yeah. right here. And I'm like, because <laughs> I every time I get like a a, a Twitter notification, I'm like, <gasps> yeah. But uh, <laughs> uh, so we're oh, yeah, we're back on the trade deadline stuff. Um, or not trade deadline. Sorry, free agency. Yeah. And uh, we're talking about the KD trade for Scotty and whatnot. But a couple of trades happened, and I want. I'm curious to get your reaction to the trades that happened with the Hawks and the Timberwolves. And do you feel those two organizations overpaid for their acquisitions? I feel the Hawks are a little bit more justifiable than the Wolves. And I say that because the Hawks are a couple years removed from making the Eastern Conference Finals and a couple injuries from not making the Finals. And they only to only to to make the play in this year barely get in to play the Miami Heat where they got dismantled i felt that this was a move for a win now and on paper they have a great team i mean you got you got murray young capella and collins i mean collins is kind of the wild card in all of this um i i know that touches are, are a big concern for him and having two ball dominant guards i'm very interested to see how that's going to work but i can see that working working itself out and they clearly have an agenda so it's a it's a more realistic option for the hawks but then when i look at the timberwolves and it's like what the heck are you doing? So sorry. Let me let me name out the, the trade for the Timberwolves real quick. So the Timberwolves traded the 2026 first round pick. Well, well that's a pick swap. Sorry, the 2027 yes. first round pick unprotected. 2025 first round pick unprotected. A 2023 first round pick, top 12 protected, but it conveys a conveys sorry to a second round pick. They added Leandro Balmoro, Jared Vanderbilt, Walker Kessler. Patrick Beverly, Malik Beasley, any 2029 first round pick that's top five protected. That's the Rudy Gobert trade. That was so bad. And like you, you overpaid for a guy that barely gives you 12 points. And I mean, he's great defensively and whatnot, but the, the, the Timberwolves are in no man's land. I mean, you had arguably one of the best power force to ever play the game in Kevin Garnett, and you guys were not able to do anything with him. Now, granted that the ownership has been tweaked a little bit, but you gutted the the guys that kind of made up your team, especially Patrick Beverly. I mean, he he's their, he was their leader. He was their defensive anchor, and I mean... He's not a known defensive stopper. We've seen him get cooked many times, a la Siakam. But he meant something to that team. So you did, you basically took away your identity. And you, you got a player that should be better on the offensive side of the basketball at his size and what he's able to do. Like, if he's getting, like, 14 rebounds, I don't know what he averaged. Let's say he's just over averaging. He's averaging double-digit rebounds. That should be at at minimum the points you're getting back off putbacks and you know offensive rebounds and dunks like like his wingspan is ridiculous like prob- probably like the next best thing next to Giannis you know what I mean I think he has like um, a seven I think he has a seven nine wingspan or something like that that's ridiculous you see like that yeah. that's ridiculous man that is ridiculous but um, you know what. What direction is Minnesota going in? Like it, it did it move the needle? Okay, yeah, you have you have a good starting five, 
But I mean, you got Anthony Edwards. I mean, we see what he can do. We don't know what he's going to be bringing this season. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns, like he definitely benefits a lot more from having um, Rudy Gobert uh, backing him up. So his role can be more of from a almost similar to like a Pascal, more facilitating, more more scoring. You know what I mean? Um, but then you have D'Angelo Russell. I think D'Angelo Russell and Rudy Gobert are kind of like the same thing. I mean, they should be good. They're getting paid like they should be uh, be better. But I, I feel that their play, their level of consistency and overall impact, it's like... And I mean, Anthony Edwards was was uh, had a press conference saying that he's not scared of Rudy Gobert. Like, he sees him on the court and... <laughs> He, he feels nothing, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> yeah. so what is he going to do? So, you basically swapped a guy that kind of gives you an identity in Patrick Beverly, which I mean, if you're looking at Rudy Gobert, Patrick Beverly, Gobert is obviously the better player. But then he brings that energy. What is Rudy Gobert bringing? You know what I mean? Like, if he's not intimidating people, the idea. I think the idea of Rudy Gobert is far more intimidating than what Rudy Gobert is. Mm. What do you think? I think that makes sense because of his his track record and yeah. his resume. Um, but I think I think if they maybe gave two picks less than what they gave, they gave, I think it would have been a little bit of a more easier trade to stomach. Definitely not worth four picks. Definitely yeah. not. You know and, what I mean. And my my gut is thinking that that Dejounte Murray trade kind of tip the scale for 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 as far as um, asset management. Or, oh, absolutely, absolutely, you, and and I, and I was gonna say that, but yeah, no, it's hundred percent. And uh, yeah, with the Dejounte deal, what was it? It was uh, let me see. It was what he got. It was Dejounte, uh, Jock Landale, uh, for for Gallinari of twenty twenty three first, twenty twenty five first unprotected, twenty twenty seven first unprotected, and a twenty twenty six pick swap, which is a little lighter. Than uh, than the Rudy, of course, but I think <clears throat> if I was to play like devil's advocate, and I was trying to justify the way of thinking of these these GMs and why they would want to throw so many picks into the fire like that, I think they feel like if if let's just say down the road the the experiment doesn't work, let's say say this season it doesn't work. I feel like they have a they I feel like they think they have enough assets to replenish some of those picks. Let's say that the, the Hawks, for whatever reason, they 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 may, they go to the play in, they get eliminated first round, the, the locker rooms in shambles. I think their general managers planning to say, okay, John Collins is here, he's gonna get me a pick or two back. Uh, Capella's here, he'll probably get me a pick. Uh, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich is here, he'll probably get me a pick back. So maybe that's their way of thinking. I'd like to add to that point DeAndre Hunter, Gallinari oh. tied up some money. Mm-hmm. So I really feel that it was more of a financial move more than anything else. I think, I I believe he's a restricted free agent this year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, or he's, maybe, he's due. He's due for an extension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I really feel that that was their focus. Like I said, they're in a win now mode, and they have a direction. So you know, to your point, maybe they don't really care about future assets, and for those exact reasons that you're mentioning. But what is the direction? Like, what is Minnesota's? Plan? Yeah, that is a little bit more alarming. Like, you know what I mean? I I think I would feel a little bit better if they somehow unload D'Angelo Russell because mm-hmm. he's not moving the needle for them. So I think if you can somehow, you know, move D'Angelo Russell to get you know a serviceable guard at that spot, and and while adding some some depth, and that's why I found that. You know, Malcolm Brogdon, I thought that would have been a perfect candidate for that. You know what I mean? Or even just throwing it out there. I know their salaries are a little different. Quite possibly Russell Westbrook might be interesting for the T-Wolves because Russ kind of fits that mold that mold that they're trying to bring, whatever mold that is. <laughs> but I feel that 
I mean, D'Angelo back in LA would be absolutely hilarious. I think that'd be funny just for, for from a talk uh, from a talking point, um, bringing D'Lo back there. But I think I think that's the next piece that has to go to make me feel a little bit better than Rudy Gobert because I don't feel that that D'Angelo right now is the guy for them. And I mean, you look at the Wiggins deal. Russell was viewed as the higher commodity. Well. Wiggins is a champion and, and is next in line for a massive payday. So right now, Russell's looking my I, I, value wise is not looking very good. So they might have to do something with that. But Hawks are in win now mode. They, they, they have enough young pieces. And plus, they also got a draft pick back, I believe, in that um, Kevin Herter Kings deal to the Kings. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, you you know, so they, they're still able to get something back, but the T wolves, they're, they're all in and their team is not an all in team. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. They have, they have Jaden McDaniels, Jalen Noel off the bench. I think Nas Reed is Nas Reed still a free agent. Is he a free agent? I I think so. But they did bring back to Tory and Prince, which I think is huge. So it's not that they don't have pieces, but, and they signed Kyle Anderson, so. Oh, I forgot about that. I forgot about that one. That 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 was a very sneaky deal. So, you know, but, but Kyle Anderson kind of gives them that versatility that made him so useful in Memphis. Um, you know, almost, he's almost like a blend. And I'm talking about from a Minnesota perspective, a blend of McDaniels and Vanderbilt together. Mm-hmm. You, you get what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. can give you that score and give you that defense. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't say he's an energy guy by any means, playing an instant replay the way that he <laughs> does. But... Um, but uh, Kyle Anderson, sorry, before you... Kyle Anderson, to me, is, a, is that connector piece. I think every team needs that. Any competitive team. Uh, sure. You know, like with the Raptors that they showed last year in the playoffs with Thad. I know Thad in the uh, regular season wasn't too you know, valuable yeah. to us. But in the playoffs, yeah. you can see how important a guy like that is high IQ connector. And I think that's what Kyle Anderson is for Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that's a very, very fair point. But I mean, gutting, gutting your future. It's tough. And I mean, it's tough. Like, especially if you're Minnesota, if you're Hawks, you understand. You got Trey Young, you got John Cause, you Andre Hunter, Bogdanovich it's a little bit more believable. You're trying to capitalize on those guys' best years. But, I mean, Cat's been there for years now. Um, I mean, he hasn't done much, even when they had Wiggins and Levine there. But I don't really blame that solely on him. D'Angelo Russell, definitely on the wrong side of his contract. I mean, you got upside with Anthony Edwards, but you're basically banking on Anthony Edwards becoming a superstar in order for you guys to bring the next level. And... Rudy Gobert is a very expensive insurance policy to in order for those things to happen. So it's going to be interesting to see how that front court works too, because a lot of the league is just going to go small against them and see what goes on, right? Yeah, because you're mean, going to have Cat at the power forward now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then pick and rolls all day with Rudy Gobert, and we, we and they they're going to get a steady diet of great point guards like Steph, like Luca, like Jaw. They're going to be chomping at the bits on in the pick and roll when they're seeing Rudy Gobert out there. You know what I mean? The, the Jazz got cooked. I mean, I thought the Jazz were a little bit overrated for quite some time. Very good regular season team, but couldn't do much in the playoffs. But, um, I mean, that's a completely different conversation. We don't know what the heck they're doing either. But they're stacking up picks. But, yeah, those, those are two very weird organizations. I mean, they're... <laughs> Like who knows what they're doing? <laughs> yeah, they go all in and then they go all in again. Like they don't really know how to backtrack. Because remember that year, like the year they made the conference finals, is they they made a lot of great acquisitions, and like sure. half of them are gone now. You know, so I yeah. don't know. Yeah, exactly. But I, I'm, I'm hoping that somebody like Jordan Clarkson is available. I mean, they got rid of. I mean, they're 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 trading in their their role players for draft picks. I mean. I wouldn't mind trading Jordan Clarkson for a draft. <laughs> How much does Jordan Clarkson make? Thirteen mil, I think. I think I think he makes about thirteen mil. So obviously you can't trade him up for a draft pick straight up. But no, but I like, mean, yeah, I'm trying to match the, it 
with the Raptors. <laughs> I mean, if the price tag is low, you know what I mean? If the price tag is low, you might you might be able to get them for for a combination of players or maybe a couple role players in a draft pick. Mm-hmm. Who, who knows depending on whatever direction the Jazz are going, but and, and speaking yeah. of and speaking of moves, like who do you think made the best moves this offseason? I have a couple teams that I, I, I think made some very good moves. I'm gonna start with the Celtics getting Malcolm Brogdon basically emptying their bench and scraps. You know, I saw online somebody had a picture of a paperclip and a rubber band for <laughs> Malcolm, Malcolm Brogdon, and I'm kind of leading that way. You know, Daniel Tice, Aaron Neesmith, Nick Stauskas, Malik Fitz, Juwan Morgan, and a 2023 first-round pick to the Pacers for Malcolm Brogdon. I thought that that was a very low-key, sneaky move. I know Malcolm Brogdon hasn't had the healthiest career, but when healthy, he's, he's one of the better pure point guards, you know? Somebody that's going to run your team, manage it, give you buckets, put you in a position to win. And clearly, it's a very big insurance policy for the Celtics coming off a finals loss. Um, Do I think they needed to make this move? No, because I thought Marcus Smart did a serviceable job for what he brings to the table and, you know, what he means to that team. But now you're able to quite possibly tweak your starting uh, starting lineup and put Al Horford in a, into a bench role, hoping that Robert Williams is healthy. I know his knee is a bit of a question mark, but your your team is potentially looking at Robert Williams, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and Malcolm Brogdon. On paper, that sounds like a great team. Yeah. And I think a lot of those guys kind of hang on health um, not so much Tatum, but Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, um, now Robert Williams and Malcolm Brogdon, obviously. Um, another another one would be um, the Chicago Bulls in terms of their free agency, uh, bringing back Zach Levine, which I think was a no-brainer. I don't know why he needed time to think. Uh, I thought that was the team for him. And especially now that DeMar is there, there's less pressure on him. So I think it's a perfect, a best case scenario if you're Zach Levine. But signing Goron, um, you know, Raptors, Raptors fan favorite. Um, I hope DeMar him- slaps him in the back of the head for <laughs> in the locker room. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> I set, set him straight there. But, you know, give them a little bit of insurance policy with, the, you know, the injuries that they had last year with Caruso and Lonzo especially. And then getting Drummond uh, kind of gives them that lob threat, that rim runner, that good rebounding that sometimes Vucevic lacked that kind of aggression. You know what I mean? But you're you're you now have two different looks. You have one center that's a little bit more perimeter based and whatnot. And then when Drummond comes in, you're going to have to account for his rim running, his ability to. Uh, have good putbacks in and around the rim and create those second chance opportunities. And the Bulls kind of lacked that depth, similar to what the Celtics did, which ultimately ended demise. So now Brogdon gives them some bench depth by putting Horford there along with Derek White and Grant Williams and whatnot. And uh, they signed Gallinari as well. I forgot about that. There you go. So, so, Again, insurance policies, they they recognize where they were flawed this past season and what really all really led to their to their uh failure of capturing a championship. They addressed that there. The Bulls recognized that we needed depth and that banking on solely youth with limited game was not the best thing to do. Bring in a couple of veterans, kind of show the ropes. Do I feel that um Goron is going to be that? veteran leader for them I, I mean i don't think so but in terms of what he can bring still at his advanced age i think i was a i was a great pickup so those are my winners so far what about you i i agree with you um i only picked i picked um the celtics because of brogdon of course they they traded like nothing for him and and i was curious the jazz were interested at one point for brogdon uh, the Wizards, the Knicks, they were all rumored. So I'm wondering, like, what what were their offers <laughs> that they couldn't take him away from the Pacers if that's all Boston had to do to get him? 
it's it's, yeah. it's, a, it's strange to me. Yeah, especially with with Tice being the main piece salary wise, like that was clearly a salary dump, and like these are the kind of trades that you make in two K. <laughs> when you turn <laughs> off, you do override trade override. Yeah, but you do override. You, you trade override. Like this is the kind of deal. I think one of the the craziest trades that uh, that I did, and, and this is from the NBA lives days uh, as a Raptor. I think I traded like Pap Sal, uh, Lauren Woods, and like some other player. But I didn't. I don't think they had trade override. But I think it was just a flaw in the game. And you know, pick a fiddler. And I ended up getting Jason Richardson on that team. Oh so, <laughs> but, but that's what I thought. That was the first thought that came to mind when I saw this Malcolm Brogdon deal. And similar to Christian Wood, it's like, like literally like peanuts. scraps, yeah, scraps and peanuts for, for these guys. And then, and then on the other end of the spectrum, you have deals like DeJounte Murray getting, um, you know, being traded away for Gallinari with three, three draft picks and then you got Gobert with Gobert uh, filler and four draft picks so it's like it's crazy we're, we're living in a video game I think <laughs> with, with, and, with trade override off <laughs> and another another uh, video game setting I think is going on is my league I think the Lakers are up to something and I wanted to bring it up real quick yeah I was looking at the roster and I was um, I think it was this mo- yeah this morning and I realized like Almost, I think eight of their players are under clutch sports. Isn't is that something that like? How do you feel about that? To me, I, I feel that's kind of strange. Is, is it collusion? I think it's collusion, hundred <laughs> percent. So to name off the players, just to make sure I'm right. So there's LeBron, that's yeah. one. Anthony Davis, Taylor Horton Tucker, Kendrick Nunn, uh, Scottie Pippen Jr., uh, Lonnie Walker now. Troy Brown Jr. and Tuscus, uh, Juan Tuscus, Toscano Anderson, sorry. Oh, the so, there. Yeah, so <laughs> I don't know. Like, how do you feel about that? It's weird. I think it's, I don't think it's anything weird about that. I mean, this is Le- this is a LeBron-focused team, man. Like, any anything surrounding LeBron, this just kind of fits in that wheelhouse of, that, uh, of, of collusion and tampering and, and whatnot. Now, obviously... Um, the relationship with LeBron and the Lakers are clear. Like, I know they said that he's not running the team. Oh, oh, okay, sure. Yeah. You just signed a, a quarter of Clutch Sports <laughs> on, <laughs> on, the, on the Lakers. The only couple players that are missing is is OG and Ben Simmons now. You know, And I the mean? coach, Nick Nurse. But yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Yeah, like that, that, that's not surprising. I, I, I don't know what the league is thinking in, in, in terms of that. You can't you can't look at that and see it's coincidence. Like, I don't think that's a coincidence at all. But um, yeah, I had no idea. I knew about Lonnie Walker and, and Kendrick Nunn, but I didn't know Toscano Anderson was was a part of that group. That's that's very interesting. Eight players. That's that's crazy, man. There's that's only crazy. what 15 play. Well, if if you count in two ways, there's 17 players on a team. That's half your team is a part of his his, his uh, little agency. I don't know, man. That's weird to me. I'm um, pretty. Sure, uh, I wonder if LeBron's getting a kickback for every signed player from Quest Sports. Oh come on, you know there's something <laughs> under the table. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I, what, man, we need to get our own agency in Toronto and get these guys over here, man. You know what I mean? Like, damn, and and, and you know what? Um, I find it interesting. Well, not really interesting, but it kind of fits into that clutch sports umbrella. And I don't want to really throw shade because they've they've done a great job building something from the ground up. But you look at the players that kind of stir controversy. You got you had AD, then you had the whole saga with Ben Simmons, and then the, the attempt to do it around OG. It seems like mm. whenever. Clutch sports is involved. Controversy seems to follow. So I just wanted to mention that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, hopefully, hopefully Durant's not traded by the time this comes out. So our points about him are still valid. Yeah, right. Um, I think we could wrap it up. This was a good episode. And uh, yeah, thank you for joining me again. You're always a great guest. I think this is our first uh, Double Dragon episode where it's just me and you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been it's. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Yeah, man. It's, yeah, that's it's, it's, it's cool, man. So, do you have any closing thoughts? So, what are you working on? 
Well, I got a couple things uh, in the works right now. I got a couple episodes coming up. I'm going to need you on there. We're going to talk about that um, surrounding, you know, the KD drama and uh, what direction the Raptors are going to be heading in. But yeah, no, got a couple episodes in the, in the works. Um, got a couple guests coming in. Um, going to see about the transition to video. I know I've mentioned that in a, you know, before, but the transition into YouTube, but yeah, it's just, it's, there's a lot, there's a lot going on. And I thought that, you know, with my first, uh, in my first season, with my first off season, I, I wasn't expecting it to be this exciting. And <laughs> I feel that I have to be on the ball mm-hmm. this off season and probably every off season going forward, because there's just so much going on and there's so much to discuss. And I feel that what you do, putting a unique spin on it and, and me following suit, trying, uh, doing, do my best to kind of follow suit and put a unique spin on it just to keep everything fresh and not redundant and repetitive like you know the major sports networks do um it's always fun and entertaining but yeah no be on the lookout on live by the three uh check me out on the instagram page follow like comment at l-i-v-e-b-y-t-h-e period number three and anything in relation to the podcast and fun raptors content i've strayed away from the kevin durant drama so if you're looking for kevin durant kevin durant drama i'm not involved in that but everything else surrounding contracts and raptors in general check out the instagram page and check out the podcast wherever you can get your podcasts And with that, please remember to like, subscribe, and raise the vibe. Peace.